Hello, you guys. Welcome to episode four of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives on the well-known and more importantly, not so well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV train wrecks. I am your host, Troy McGeady, and I want to apologize to you immediately for the sound of my voice. Um, I woke up feeling really like nasally today. I think I'm having a sinus infection. So I sound like Roseanne Barr. And if you love me, if you care about me, if you support me, you'll be able to look past it. Look past the sound of my voice and just listen to the words. So today's episode is, uh, it's a little, I'll say dark. Um, it's about as dark as I think this podcast could go. I can't imagine that it could get more dark than this. This is a, a, a little bit of a um, departure from what you'll be used to. Um, there's a death involved in this episode, so it's a little bit more, uh, it's sad. This episode made me really sad to research, but it's also really informative. There's a lot of really interesting pieces and parts. It's There's a lot of moving parts in this and a lot of people involved. Um, some names that you may not recognize that I want to like introduce you to because they will become an integral part of this of this podcast. I will be talking about them again for sure. And um, yeah, I kind of want to just get right into it. Um, today, I'm going to be talking about Tila Tequila and Casey Johnson. Uh, so if you're not familiar with Casey Johnson, she is, well, she was the heir of the Johnson & Johnson, I don't even know, Empire, I guess that's what you could call it. Um, her father was Woody Johnson. Um, he was also the or- the owner of the Jets. And uh, this girl was worth billions of dollars. And she had some really troubling, uh, troubling issues during the short time that she was alive she's it was just a lot that happened in her life that I want to get into and um I'm sure you all know Tila Tequila the reason I wanted to talk about Tila Tequila today was because I feel like enough time has passed it's been about 10 years since Tila Tequila was actually like a relevant celebrity and I feel like enough time has passed that her actual the thing that she became famous for I think has kind of gotten lost in translation I think that at this point, people just kind of know her as this crazy, uh, like, attention-seeking, kind of racist psychopath on the internet who used to be famous for MySpace and had, like, a VH1 show. But um, there's a lot that happened in Tila Tequila's life, and there's a lot that went on in her career that I just find really super interesting. And um, she's one of those people, like I said, I think it was either episode one or episode two, uh that quote that I always think about with people like her, like that you don't want to be the first person to, to do something because you won't get any recognition for it or you'll get like backlash. And Tila Tequila, I think was, I mean, it's arguable, but I would say that Tila Tequila was the first internet celebrity. In my opinion, I think she was the first person to use social media in the way that we use it today. And she was the first person to sort of craft like an image on the internet. And, um, that's all sort of gotten lost in translation because of her more recent, like, crazy antics. But, um, yeah, I, I just find this whole story really interesting. Like I said, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of, like, people coming and going in this story and a lot of people showing up later that were a part of it at the beginning. And it's just, it's really, really, really messy. And it's a little bit hard to follow, so I hope that you're able to follow along. I, I wrote this outline in hopes to try and um, make it make sense, because there's just, like I said, there's just a lot that goes on. 
So, Tila Tequila and Casey Johnson basically got engaged as soon as they started dating. Um, they got together in December of 2009, and Casey passed away in January uh, the following month, the following year, whatever you want to call it. She passed away on January 4th. Um, now, Casey and Tila both suffer from versions of dissociative personality disorder, and Tila is also uh, bipolar, Um And on top of that, Casey was also a type 2 diabetic. And this was ultimately what led to her death in 2010, was her diabetes and her not taking care of her body, which we will get to. So they were technically only together for about a month before Casey passed away. But in that short period of time, there was so much craziness surrounding both their lives. it's, It's hard to even... I have put it into words, I wrote it down, but it was hard to, because it was just so, I felt like every time I opened up a new website, there would just be like this pile of more information and more like drama and more people involved. And like I said, there's a death involved in this, so it's it's even more messy. And there were all these like early 2000s, I guess you would consider them like celebutant women that were just really desperate to be famous and all sort of using each other and clawing at each other to to get press. And it's just, it's really, really dark. So like I said before, I mean, you probably know Tila Tequila as a girl who, like I said, was famous on MySpace. She had a VH1 dating show. And then, you know, years later, she became this really crazy public figure where she would, like, say, you know, racist things. And she was showing support for Donald Trump. And she was, like, putting up Nazi symbolism all over her social media. And she got kicked out of the Big Brother house because they found all the shit that she was posting online. And this really problematic, uh, I don't even know if you would call her, like, a celebrity. She's, like, a pop, a problematic public figure. Um but I I want to give like a brief little just sort of history of Tila Tequila because, like I said, there's a lot about her career that I think people don't know that I find very interesting. And also the fact that there is a now I'm not sticking up for her because I think she's fucking batshit crazy. But there is a uh, there's a mental health element to this that people don't know about unless you're somebody who like reads this shit. which I guess if you're listening to this, you are that kind of person because you're like me. But I don't know. I think there are a lot of people who don't know that Tila Tequila actually is like certifiably uh, unstable. So back in the day, way before Facebook, way before even MySpace, before Tumblr, before Instagram, before Twitter, before all of it, there was Friendster. Friendster was technically the first social media website and Tila was one of the most popular users on Friendster. She was a a Playboy cyber girl. I think she'd broken some sort of record for becoming Playboy's first Asian cyber girl. So she had a lot of followers and Friendster had really, really strict policies. Like you, you couldn't be profane. You couldn't use foul language. You couldn't post nudity. So it was really normal for people to get kicked off Friendster and then just sort of like redo their profile. Like they didn't, they would kick you off, but they didn't block you. So <laughs> they basically would just delete all of your information and then you would restart. And, uh, Tila was getting kicked off all the time because she, like I said, she was a playboy internet girl. So her pictures were provocative. She had a really like out there personality and the website kicked her off. I think a total of five times before she finally just sort of stopped trying to use it. Tom Anderson, the, uh, 
owner of MySpace, also known as MySpace Tom, <laughs> uh, he had a Friendster profile as well. But he was also getting annoyed with the fact that you would get kicked off all the time. And he was noticing how many people were being kicked off and having to recreate their profiles. So he basically took it as an opportunity to create his own platform where you could basically say and do and post whatever you wanted, um, unless it was reported by another user. I, I, if you remember, like people would report stuff to Tom on MySpace and then he would like message you. This gave people the opportunity to brand themselves on the internet basically for the first time ever. Because if you think about it, Friendster and MySpace were the first pro, not profiles, the first, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The first platforms where you basically would connect with people in a way that was much more, uh, personal than like, a chat room or, you know, like a message board or something like that, like an, a more like early 2000s, like late 90s thing. I actually read an article once and I read this when I was a lot younger and I used to make fun of it. And then I've thought about it a lot since. I don't know why, but it was this article in, I don't know, it was like a people magazine or something. And it was like um a guide for parents to help them understand their children's MySpace accounts because parents were so confused and they didn't know how to log on to it and they couldn't really look at it unless they had an account so you know we could basically do whatever the fuck we wanted like i said i graduated high school in 2006 so i think the demographic that i was at in high school was like the exact age that myspace was trying to sort of brainwash into using the website because i started using it really early in high school like my i don't know sophomore year maybe so I was like 15, 16, I guess you would be. And I remember the article described it as like walking into your child's bedroom. And I used to make fun of it and I thought it was so funny and we would like sarcastically make jokes about how we were going to our bedroom and we would log on to MySpace. But now that I'm older and I look back, like that's kind of what it was. It's kind of true. MySpace was so personal. It was like walking into a teenager's bedroom. There was music. There were like photos it was decorated and it was at a time when like social media was just so much more pure and sort of like, I won't say innocent, but sort of innocent at the time. Like we were all just so naive and excited to be able to do something like that. You know, it was just, it was the golden years of social media, in my opinion. Like it just, it was so good. And the way that bands used to like brand themselves on MySpace and there's so many bands that we still have today that only exist because they had MySpace accounts. Like it's crazy. Now, on Friendster, Tila had between thirty and 50,000 followers every time the website would delete her account. So she would gain, like, 50,000 people, and then they would delete. And then she would gain, like, 30,000, and then they would delete her. And then she would gain, like, 35,000, and then they would delete her. Um, which, when you think about the fact that it was, like, the way early 2000s, having 50,000 friends on the internet was completely unheard of. So the fact that she was doing it five six times in a row every single time she created a profile was truly fucking insane i think that would even be insane well maybe not so much today like somebody famous could delete their profile and then you know have a hundred thousand followers again the same day but like for like 2001 or whatever year it was like that's that's nuts and i actually have a quote here from time magazine because in 2006 time magazine did a profile on tila 
to like talk about her internet presence and how she uses social media. And she said, I joined MySpace in September of 2003. At the time, no one was on there at all. I felt like a loser while all the cool kids were at some other school. So I mass emailed about 30,000 people and told them to come over. Everybody joined overnight. So in a nutshell, basically what happened, Tom from MySpace messaged Tila and was like, look, I'm starting this new website. You can post whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. You can be as profane or nude as you want to be. It's a completely free, like open space. And I don't have enough followers to start the website. So I need you to message the people that follow you and let them know that we have like this new place to go where your profile won't get deleted and their profiles won't get deleted. So she mass emailed, I think it was like between 30 and 50,000 people. And that's basically how MySpace started. She got all of her followers to join. Tom had enough people to like create the platform and that was it. Or not to create the platform, but to launch it. And the rest was literally internet history. The other interesting thing about Tila Tequila's MySpace fame is that since she was the first person, well, one of the first people on the website besides the developers, she would automatically appear in your top eight every time you logged on. Like, you had no option but to have Tila as, like, your third or second friend on your top eight list. So she was being seen by thousands and thousands and thousands of more people than she would have on Friendster, who had just, like, maybe so happened to stumble upon her. So then after MySpace launched, Tila's popularity grew with the site. So as popular as MySpace became, Tila became as popular because, like I said, she was on every single person's profile. And MySpace slowly became the most visited website on the Internet. At that point, Tila had become the most followed celebrity on the Internet. So the even more interesting thing about this is that at that time, In like 2003, 2004, Tila was using MySpace to market herself the way like a Kim Kardashian or like anybody who's like famous for being famous would use it now. Like she, I mean, honestly, any celebrity who uses social media, she was promoting, you know, music. She was promoting clothing lines. She was posting photos from photo shoots that she was doing in magazines so that it would you know, get people to go buy the magazine. Like, nobody was doing that on the internet at that time. It was just unheard of. And she truthfully was about 10 years ahead of her time. Now, at this time, Tila was still... Nobody knew that Tila had any sort of, like, mental health issues. I used to follow Tila Tequila pretty pretty heavily online, like, at this time. I, like, literally listened to her music, which is so embarrassing. But, uh... I just saw her as this cute little tiny, really pretty Asian girl who had an unbelievable amount of people following her online and I liked her music and she sold clothes through Hot Topic and I don't know, you know what I mean? I was like 15. So in late 2006, early 2007, uh, MTV approached Tila about doing the first ever bisexual reality TV dating show, which was huge for the time because being out on TV was still a thing, like you know, in 2007, like, we were really sexist and really fucking racist and really homophobic. So for MTV to give her a show like this was a huge deal. And at the time, like, this is what we were watching. Like, everybody was watching Rock of Love. Everybody was watching I Love New York. The entire world was watching Flavor of Love. Like, these are the most popular shows on television. So this was a really big, it was a big deal. It was a big moment in pop culture. 
And the show actually broke a record for MTV. It was the highest rated premiere that the network had ever had, which was also a huge deal. It also broke a finale record. It was the most watched series finale on MTV of all time up to that point. And of course, there was a bunch of controversy. There was a really public back and forth between Tila and all these conservative Christian groups on the internet, you know, trying to ban the show and, you know, to boycott MTV. Um, and it's really sad that, like, the LGBT community was so desperate for representation in the early 2000s that, like, a shot at love with Tila Tequila was, like, our fucking Trojan horse at the time. Like, that's really upsetting. But you know what? You take what you can get. And this show was really, really fucking important for 2007. Now, I'm about to introduce somebody into this story that you may or may not know. She's been a very important figure in my life for the past 10 years, and uh, somehow she's managed to not be in a lot of people's, which I don't understand. She's one of those, like, to me, she's really, really famous people, but I have to remind myself that people that are really famous to me are actually not famous at all. Her name is Courtney Simmel. And she is, how do I sum her up? Okay, so her father, Terry Simmel, was the Yahoo CEO, okay? And Courtney was famous initially for being the first girl that Lindsay Lohan ever dated. Right before she met Samantha Ronson, well, maybe not so much met her, but dated her, Lindsay first dated Courtney, okay? And she had this really famous magazine interview in the early 2000s where she called herself the lesbian Don Juan of the celebrity world, where she would basically, she turned all these celebutant women who had never been with women, she turned them all gay. That was like her thing. And um, it was announced in August of 2008 that Tila was dating her. Now, Courtney is also a socialite. She's one of these, like, celebutant women that are famous for nothing, like, famous for basically being wealthy and pretty. Courtney also, by the way, fun fact, in 2005, she starred in a reality show on E! called Cattle Drive. Well, it was called Filthy Rich Cattle Drive. And it also starred Courtney Kardashian. Yes, that is true. Courtney Kardashian was on a reality show in 2005 on E! Way before the Kardashians. Well, maybe not so much way before, but before the Kardashians. And just to add another layer, which I'll, after I say this, I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to let you marinate. I'm going to let you sit on it and just figure out your life because things will never be the same. The show was also created by Joe Simpson. Now, is your brain overly stimulated yet? Because mine is. <laughs> and I'm the one giving you the information. I already knew this stuff. And I'm still overwhelmed. It's just too fucking much. Like, how is Joe Simpson... Joe Simpson, first of all, is trolling me. Because he has involvement in every fucking aspect of my life. I think I'm actually meant to be with Joe Simpson. I think that's what's really going on. It's the universe throwing signs at me that I need to pursue Joe Simpson. Because he's my actual soulmate. I just personally don't really see how there's any other way to read this. You know what I mean? If you're a person who believes in signs, then you know what I'm talking about. Now, Filthy Rich Cattle Drive, just to give you like a little synopsis of what the show is about. So basically, it was like really wealthy children of really, really, really wealthy families. They got like dropped off on like a, a cattle drive and they were forced to work with like cows and bulls and uh, they weren't allowed to use money. It was basically like a really, really shitty knockoff version of The Simple Life for E, which like what show on E isn't a shitty 
knockoff version of another show. Like, are they capable of an original thought? Like, now they have that really shitty version of Vanderpump Rules that's supposed to come on that, like, I will watch because I'm a trashy person, but, like, not happily. I'll be upset when I'm watching it. I'll scour. And the even more interesting thing about Courtney is that she also dated Casey Johnson. That's what I was saying at the beginning of the show. This is just a big, giant fucking lesbian clusterfuck. It's a circle jerk of, of, of celebutant women in Hollywood. Like, that's all this is. And the even more interesting thing about that relationship is that Courtney set Casey's hair on fire. Some bad girls club shit. Yes, you heard me correctly. And we will get to that. Trust me. So on September 6th of 2009, uh, reports had surfaced that Tila had been choked by her then boyfriend, Los Angeles Chargers player, Sean Merriman. And Merriman was then later arrested, but no charges were filed against him. So I don't know if they found that it wasn't true. Like around this time, Tila was sort of starting to crack and she was doing really crazy shit for media attention. And in November 17th of 2009, Tila sued Merriman for $1.5 million. Uh, Merriman then countersued Tila for intentional interference with contracts, unfair competition, and trademark infringement. Uh, Tila refused to respond to his more recent charges, and the court ended up ruling in his favor for two point, I'm sorry, for $2 million. So right after this is where things get really, really dark and really, really confusing. I have not been able to make sense of all the things that took place, but they were documented so we can talk about them, but I'm not going to sit here and act like I understand any of it. I don't at this point feel confident in my ability to understand the difference between what Tila does intentionally for media attention and what she does because of her mental health issues. I think it may be a mixture of both. But I'm just warning you, things get really, really fucking crazy at this point. So in October of 2009, Tila tweeted out to her fans that she wanted to commit suicide. And I'm going to read to you the series of tweets here that she tweeted out. Um, some of them are in response to celebrities tweeting at her to make sure she was okay. Some of them are in response to her fans. Um, I'm going to try and read it so that it makes sense. I'm going to kill myself live on an internet broadcast so the world can watch it go down. Then you watch me die slowly since I won't be able to call the cops. And then I guess Diddy messaged her and said, like, is this really you? Is your account hacked? And she said, Diddy, it's T. I have not been hacked and this is not a prank. I'm sorry my fans got you involved. So apparently people were like adding him and asking if it was really her, what was going on. So then... Tyrese Gibson messaged her and said, like, you know, is this really you? What's going on with your account? And she said, well, you will see for yourself that this is not a joke. Everyone will see. Think what you want. I don't care anymore. So then Tyrese asked if it was, he said, uh, if this is really you, then tell me the last time I saw you. And she responded, this is really me, hon. I saw you last at Robin Thicke's birthday party. Twitter can shut me down after I get my last words out to my fans. I'm going off now. Please pray for me This is that this miracle happens today when I wake up. I need this miracle. No miracle, then I'm out. Good night. So I guess now would be a good time to talk about Tila Tequila's dissociative personality disorder. 
Um, like I said before, I'm not a doctor and I don't claim to know the ins and outs of this disease. And I also don't know, like I said, when she is doing things for attention based on when she's doing things because of her mental health. And I also don't know if it's a combination of both. But like I said, these things are documented. They happen on the Internet. And I'm just telling you about them. So Tila's been slipping in and out of this alter personality on the Internet for the last like 10 years as this person named Jane Cordovez. And anytime she's ever posted as Jane, the content has been extremely disturbing or super, super offensive stuff that's just like really out there and really weird and like scary, just like a lot of weird, scary content. And on November 21st, Jane took over Tila's body on a Ustream. So it was like a live video to all her fans on Twitter. And um, in the video, she puts like a loaded gun into her mouth and she's like sucking on it and she's like rubbing a knife on her skin and um in the video she jokes about how you know she tricked everyone into telling them you know that Tila was gone because Tila at this point was knocked out and that Jane had taken over Tila's body and um she was like alluding to the fact that you know, if she wanted to hurt Tila, she could because Tila wasn't in control of her body at that point. The internet viewed the video as a way of her sort of like seeking attention because, you know, her music wasn't selling like it was before and MTV had decided to let her go. So she was no longer a part of A Shot at Love. She had been replaced by these two like no name twins and they changed the show name to A Double Shot at Love. So like career wise, she was in a slump and I don't think people were able to, especially because at that point we didn't know that Tila Tequila had mental health issues. So I, I mean, nobody knew what the hell was going on and her social media presence started to sort of dwindle. Now I'm about to introduce Casey Johnson into the story. And if you thought things were dark before, um, you ain't seen nothing yet. They get much darker and much more confusing and weird. You guys, the second portion of this episode is going to be Patreon exclusive, and I'm telling you, if there were ever an episode that you would want to hear the remainder of, I swear on my life and my unborn child, it would be this one. Go to patreon.com slash ebpsychos, become a member, and uh, you will get automatic updates with these episodes and feathers in my hair and all of the exclusive content that Molly records for Emotionally Broken Psychos as well and whatever else we have coming up in the future. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.